Where do we come from? Where are we going? Uh, where? What is our origin and what is our end? I'm Father Bryce and welcome back to The Cross Stands as today we speak of God as creator. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So what does it mean for God to be creator? Well, the fact that God is creator or rather knowledge of God as creator answers those questions. Those questions that we all have. Where do I come from and where am I going? Who made me and why was I made? Who made me? God made me. Why did God make me? To love, to know, to love, and to serve him in this life and to be with him forever in the next. So God made all that is and orders all things, Scripture tells us, according to measure and number and weight. If there was a, if there was a Big Bang, there had to be someone to execute the Big Bang. God made the world, but God didn't make the world just to make it. God isn't some divine watchmaker who sets the world in motion and leaves it alone. But the catechism says that creation is the first step towards the covenant. Creation is the first step in God's reaching out to you and to me to bring us in, into relationship. Creation is the first step in the covenant. And what is a covenant? But a covenant is a sacred family bond between persons. God creates the world so that he might enter into relationship with you and into with me. God creates the whole world so that we might live with him. How amazing is that? The sun and the moon and the stars, all the galaxies, the comets and the constellations, asteroids and meteors and a multiplicity of planets, all created so that you and I might enter into relationship with God. There's a thing called the fine-tuning argument for the existence of God. And it goes to demonstrate that if the forces at the creation of the universe, if the forces at the Big Bang were even off by a minuscule portion, life on earth couldn't exist. You and I couldn't be sustained by the natural processes of the universe. If the, if the forces, that, like the strong nuclear, the weak uh, nuclear gravity, electromagnetic force, if those forces were off by even fractions of a fraction of a fraction of what they are, you and I couldn't exist. God has planned ever since the beginning, ever since actually before the beginning, eternally in the mind of God. Has, has, you, you have been there. He's planned to love you. He's planned to care for you. He's desired that you would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth as the scriptures tell us. God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And he has desired that from eternity. He has desired that from even before the Big Bang, even before he created the universe. And he has set this universe up in such a way that you and I might have life, that you and I might have a planet upon which we can breathe and we can walk and we can think and we can know and we can come to love him. All for you. God is the creator of all things and uh, it is only God 
who creates in the strict sense. In Hebrew, the verb create, bara, is all, always has God for its subject. God creates. Elohim bara, Yahweh bara, only God. You and I, we can fashion things, and we can take from things that are already created and make new things. We can take from a tree and make a desk or a house or things like that. We can take from uh, grasses and trees and lands and things and make uh, paper. Uh, we can take from the elements that come out of the world and make microchips and circuit boards and all sorts of things. But we can't create. We can't create out of nothing. Only, only God does that. God needs no pre-existent thing, the catechism says, or any help in order to create. Nor is his creation any sort of necessary emanation from the divine substance. God creates freely and out of nothing. In other words, not only can God create out of nothing, and he's the only one who can do that, but God also doesn't have to create. We, we can have a little light shed on this in the mystery of the Trinity. God is sufficient in himself. The Father loves the Son from all eternity. He pours out his love to the Son. And the Son receives that love of the Father and in receiving that love, gives himself totally back to the Father. And that love between the Father and the Son isn't, a, isn't just a thing or a force, but it's a person, a divine person, the Holy Spirit. And thus we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there is therefore no need for God to let his love go out of himself. There is no need for God to create anything out of himself. God is perfectly, well, perfect. And he is complete in himself. Yet in his infinite goodness, he chooses. He chooses to create you. He chooses to create me. He chooses, remember we talked about this a while back, to keep us in existence. God's creation isn't just at the beginning of the universe, but God's creation is even now. Because God is existence. It is only in God and through God that, that anything exists. Remember we talked about that you and, you and I, we exist. And we're also a certain kind of thing. We're human beings. And uh, my dog, Lucy, she exists, but she's a different kind of thing. She's a dog. And then there are material things that exist, like this, this desk or this laptop or this microphone. But, uh, well, they have a, they're a different kind of thing. They're not humans or dogs. They're, they're objects. Well, God, remember with God, God isn't a kind of thing. So not only does God exist, but God is existence. You and I exist and we are human beings. God exists and God is is existence so the fact that anything exists at all means that god is thinking about it the fact that you and i are still breathing and our fact and in fact don't like pop out of existence is because god is thinking about us god is continually creating god is constantly creating god is always pouring out his love god is always being generous the bible says god is love god is with us as creator and so then we shouldn't be surprised at the miracles that God creates. The Catechism says that since God could create everything out of nothing, He can also, through the Holy Spirit, give spiritual life to sinners by creating a new heart in them. He can create 
if he can create everything out of nothing, then he can he can give us new life. If he can create everything out of nothing, you think he's too weak to forgive your sins when you come to confession? If he can create everything out of nothing, do you think he's too weak to change bread and wine into his body, blood, soul, and divinity? If he can create everything out of nothing, do you think he's too weak to change what the bread and wine is into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ while keeping its appearance as bread and wine? Well, he's God. He can do that. We'll talk about the Eucharist more later, but the argument for the Eucharist is very simple. God can do anything. God told us that the bread and the wine is his flesh in John chapter 6 and the, in the three synoptic gospels in 1 Corinthians. Therefore, that's what it is. God can do it. He said he is doing it. And therefore, it must be. Because God can do anything. Anything that's not a contradiction. Because God created everything out of nothing. As God creates everything out of nothing, as God continues to create, he also likes to use what we call secondary causes. In other words, uh, I'm, I'm talking into a microphone right now, and the microphone is made out of uh, metal and out of plastic and out of uh, circuits and, and all sorts of all sorts of things. Well, God created every component of the microphone, but he used the natural processes that he set forth at the creation of the world such that there would be um, petroleum products that could be formed into plastics, such that there would be uh, metals which we could extract from the earth to make all these components of the microphone. He made it such that human beings could conceive in their intellects the image of a microphone and could put one together. God could have created microphones directly, but he didn't. God chose to allow you and to allow me to create microphones. I mean, maybe not you and me, but whoever knows how to create a microphone. God uh, could have invented the internet, (laughs) but God chose to allow all kinds of people Uh, to work to invent the internet that we have today that allows my voice to go into this microphone, into a computer, and all out on a podcast. Uh, Even though I'm recording this on a one day, and it's going to get posted another day, and you might even listen to it on a third day. And, And when we, we can give glory to God, that we human beings are able to cooperate in his creation as a secondary cause. Why secondary cause? Well, because God is the first cause. God is the primary cause. First of all, it's only in God that I exist, you exist, the creator of the microphone exists. And it's only in God that the metal exists and the plastic exists and all the things that make up the microphone exist. And it's only from God that we have the intellectual capacity and the technical capacity to make things like this. So clearly God is the first cause. Clearly none of this could happen without God. But also clearly he has made use of secondary causes of of people to work with him and to cooperate with him. As we will see later when we talk about the sacraments, that that's what God uses in the spiritual life too. 
He uses physical things and signs and people like priests and bishops and deacons and, and other Christians and even people who are not Christians. He, he uses, not in, a, um, not in a mechanical way like using a pencil, but in, um, in a cooperative way, like working together with another person so that to, uh, to manifest his glory. He allows us to work with him to manifest his glory in the simple things or in the uh, technical mundane things like making a microphone and in the glorious things like bringing someone to new life in Christ, which comes through baptism by water and the Holy Spirit, like confecting the Eucharist, which comes through the power of the priesthood, which Jesus has given us. And it that in some ways um, shows forth more clearly the power of God. That he doesn't have to do everything himself. God is not a micromanager. He's not. Uh, he's not an insecure boss who has to have his hands in everything. But no, no, uh, he does have his hands in everything. But he allows us to work freely, and that even that, uh, while it does allow for the presence of evil in the world, shows forth his power as creator. And what about evil? God created everything. God's good. God's all powerful. We talked about that last time, but. Well, then how, does, how is it that evil is in the world? Well, God only allows evil so that he can bring a greater good from it. We can't always see the greater good, but he allows it. Imagine this. You're there at the beginning of creation. You experience or you have some knowledge of the Big Bang. And you see at some point as the universe has created planets and asteroids and moons and things crashing into each other. You see stars being born and die. You see black holes and, and you see the glory of galaxies being formed. So there's so much chaos in that. So much destruction. So much fire. Yet God uses all of that to in the end have the earth on which you and I can live, on which life can develop, on which eventually rational creatures can develop, and into which eventually he can impart a soul so they're truly human beings, you and I, body and soul. God allowed all that chaos to get to this. God, anytime there's an evil or suffering or difficulty, we can be assured that even though we can't see it, even though we might not be able to understand the reason on this side of heaven, that God only allows evil so as to bring forth a greater good. The story of Joseph. Joseph, uh, in the Old Testament, he had um, 11 brothers and uh, they wanted to kill him because they were jealous. So they ended up deciding not to kill him. Instead, they sold him as a slave. And after he was sold as a slave by his brothers, and then his brothers told his daddy that he had got eaten by a lion. So he's sold as a slave. His daddy thinks he's dead. And he ends up uh, in the hands of a powerful uh, slave owner in Egypt. His name is Potiphar. Well, Potiphar's wife uh, begins to lust after Joseph and wants her to wants Joseph to commit adultery with her to cheat on Potiphar. And Joseph's like, "No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that." 
Um, but she keeps on and on after him, and he says no and no and no, and she eventually just accuses him of committing adultery with her because she's mad that he won't actually sin with her. Well, she accuses him of that. He's falsely accused, and he gets put in prison. Uh, in prison, he helps out the chief butler and the chief baker of the pharaoh, who ended up in prison, and says, hey, look, just, just remember me before Pharaoh, because I'm here in prison and I don't want to be in prison. So remember me when you're restored to your place. One of them got killed. The other one was restored to his place. And uh, so I can be free. Well, it turns out the guy forgot him. And so he stayed in prison longer and longer. Then eventually Pharaoh needed his help. And so Joseph gets out of prison. He helps Pharaoh by interpreting a dream. And he ends up uh, basically in charge of all of Egypt. The only person in charge of him is Pharaoh. And Pharaoh gives him free reign to run the country. Well, his brothers end up needing him again. They don't know that it's him, but there's a famine and Egypt has grain, food, because Joseph did the right thing and and was a good planner and God told him what to do. And he listened. He listened to God. So that was uh, allowed for prosperity. Now, the uh, and um, his brothers came to him. And uh, when they found out that it was Joseph, they got very, very scared. Why? Because they had sold him into slavery. <laughs> like he did, they deserved to be punished by him. And now he had all the control. He had all the power. And he said, Do not be afraid. It was not you who sent me here, but God. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. Joseph was able to forgive his brothers. Joseph And Joseph was even able to see God's hand. Not that God causes evil. God never causes evil. It's impossible. That's contrary to his nature. God is all good. But Joseph saw God's hand working even in the evil that God had allowed. And he can say, it was God who sent me here. Even though his brothers had meant evil against him. Even though... Uh, the slave owners had meant evil against him, even though Potiphar's wife had meant evil against him, even though the butler and the baker forgot about him. God's provident hand guided all of that. And because Joseph was faithful in his suffering, because he was faithful to, to the almighty creator God who sustains him in existence, his brothers were saved, his, his daddy was saved, and a good chunk of the world was saved from starvation because Joseph allowed God to work through him, even in the midst of the evil. So might we do that? Might we rest in the power of our almighty creator? We firmly believe the catechism says that God is master of the world and of its history. But the ways of his providence are often unknown to us. Only at the end, when our partial knowledge ceases when we see God face to face, will we fully know the ways by which even through the dramas of evil and sin, God has guided his creation to that definitive Sabbath rest for which he created heaven and earth. Might we cooperate with God, might we be faithful to God, and might we rest in his peace now and into eternity. Amen. It's great to talk to you all today. I uh, look forward to seeing you on Sunday, uh, on Sundays at Mass. And, uh, and to be in with you. Remember to like us and to follow us. Share, share these podcasts on Facebook or on Instagram or, uh, or wherever you, 
uh, wherever you do social media, send them in the, in the emails to, to people you know, uh, so we can spread spread the good word and um, grow together as disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ.